Well, this morning we uh, we are going to look at grace again. Uh, I'm going to call what we're going to look at this morning the scandal of grace, and maybe you'll understand what I mean by that in a few minutes. The scandal of grace. I hope I changed the. I had grace unveiled, and I thought, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and this is really kind of a scandalous story anyway, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, and you're, you have a relationship with Him, and He's your Lord, and He's your Savior, and by the way, He, he, is, he is either your Lord and Savior, okay, or He's nothing. He's not one or the other. Okay, that just tells you where I stand. He's both Lord and Savior. To be your Savior, He has to be your Lord. And if He's your Lord, He saved you. Okay, we're going on. That's another sermon. But if, if that's you this morning, you were born again, and you were born into something, okay? You were born into the kingdom. What has happened since the days that Jesus preached especially the last hundred years or so, is, is we have become heaven-focused instead of kingdom-focused. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It was the kingdom, okay? And, and throughout the New Testament, in Jesus' teaching, He taught us what the kingdom would be like. When we entered into it. What we would live like. What it would look like. Paul came along. And all Paul did was fill in the blanks that Jesus didn't fill in. And so what we're talking about when we talk about coming to Christ. Is, is living the kingdom life. I mean that, that's really what it is. We're not going to get to heaven one of these days. And learn to live the kingdom life. Folks we are learning to live it now. Eternal life began the moment that we came to Christ. Not when we die and we get to heaven. Heaven's important, okay? But sometimes we get so heavenly minded that we forget about the fact that we're supposed to be living the kingdom out right where we are. We forget about the people that are around us and we get consumed about what I want, me, my, and I. It's kind of like cafeteria Christianity. I don't like this, I like this. I'll take a little of this. That's not the kingdom. And one of the things that... that happens is we forget what grace really means. We have, a, we have an idea that, that grace, you know, if I sin, grace takes care of it. And what has happened is, is, is the church has bought into a cheap kind of grace. It really doesn't mean what Jesus meant when He taught about grace and He talked about grace. And so, if you're here this morning and you've been born again and you've been born into the kingdom, it happened because of an act of grace. Sadly, most of us grow up and we mature in grace, but we've grown up in systems, in religious systems, that seem to teach that, you know, you're saved by grace, but you have to do stuff to stay saved. Now, many of you would argue me and say, well, that's not what I've been taught, that's not what I believe, but folks, that's what we live out. We're saved by grace, but man, we've got to do stuff. So that we can get to heaven. Listen to me. If you were saved by grace. And you are. You are kept by grace. Okay. If you couldn't do anything. To earn eternal life. There's nothing you can do once you've got it to keep it. Okay. If you don't, if you don't like that. Just take that up with God. Okay. You can, you can come to me and burn my ear up if you want to. But God said that I didn't. And so what's happened is. Is, is in most churches. Regardless of denomination or kind, 
instead of living out grace, and instead of pouring out grace, we've poured out law and we've poured out works. In other words, if you want to be a good Christian, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to this and this and this. We've got this whole long list. And what happens is, we get into a system that's not a kingdom system. It becomes a merit system. Any of y'all where you work under the merit system? Most, most jobs are that way. We get paid for what we do, right? If you don't do anything, you don't get paid. Or you may, but you don't get many checks, okay? It's a merit system. A lot of jobs are, are, are I can't think of the word, but based on how many of what you do is, is what your pay, your, your, your wage is based on. Commission, exact commission. If you work on a, an assembly line, uh, how many of these you do determines how, many, how much money you get. And so it's, it's a merit type system. And what happens is a merit system teaches work. Okay? The kingdom of God is not a merit system. All right, I'll say that again. The kingdom of God's not a merit system. And, but most of us have grown up in a religious system that teaches that. And in our mind, we think, you know what, if I miss church, God's mad. If I don't read my Bible today, God's mad. If I don't give, God's mad. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say, God's not mad. Okay? You know when God got over his mad? When he nailed Jesus to the cross. You say, well, the Romans, no, God nailed his son to the cross. And the Bible says he poured out his wrath, his mad, on the back of his son. And Jesus bore that. And folks, we're here today. We live under a season of grace, under a season of favor. We don't get what we deserve. We get the love of God without condition. Okay? You say, well, that's too easy. Well, if it was any more easier, if it was any harder, none of us would ever find it. Okay? I'm going to go on. I'm going to move on because that's not what I'm, what I'm preaching about today. Well, maybe it is. But the system that we've grown up with and the system that we've bought into is that if you work harder and you work longer... You'll get more. You, you'll get the, it instills a mindset that I deserve more. Any of y'all with me? Okay. It means I'll be better. That God will love me more or He'll appreciate me more. And the only problem with this system is it's not God's system. Okay? It's the system of most religions. In fact, let me just say that it's the system of all religions. That's what religion teaches. And it's the system of the world that we live in. And our problem is, is that we've been born again through grace, but we're trying to live out our Christ walk, our Christ life with works. And what's happening is we get frustrated and we give up. And the reason is, is because, listen to me, it cannot be done that way. It, it cannot be done that way. And that's why we get so frustrated. And that's why we get so beat down. Grace is, is more than a concept that we can argue about. And, and I talked a little bit last week about defining it. Folks, we can debate over the definition. But the reality of it is the definition is not going to tell you what it is. You have to experience it. You have to experience it. It's an experience that we have to embrace and not 
that we just have to embrace, but that experience has to embrace us. Okay, it's a two-way thing. You know, when, when my granddaughter comes to my house and she throws her arms out, you know what Papa does? He throws his arms out. And you know what he does after that? He gathers her up. And that's, that's a picture of grace. That's what God does. He threw his arms out. And whosoever will may come. The rules of grace and the rules of, 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 of religion are different. Okay? They're different. They're different. They're two opposite extremes. They don't ever meet, okay? They don't ever mesh together. They don't mix. And listen, you will never experience the embrace of grace if you continue to grasp religion with your fists, okay? If you don't let go of religion, you'll never be able to embrace that grace. You'll never be able to experience what Scripture talks about. And so today I want to share a story that Jesus told and, and it describes how grace works in the kingdom. And it's a little bit revolutionary. It goes against the grain a little bit, okay? I'm just going to tell you, as I read it, if you're like me, it just doesn't seem fair. There's something seems wrong with this story. And yet Jesus teaches it. Grace opens the keys to the it's, it opens the key to the kingdom. It is the key to the kingdom. And it allows us to access the kingdom. And it allows Jesus to live through us. And it's why he died for us. Folks, the kingdom is within every believer. Okay, I want you to hear me. The kingdom of God is within every believer. But very few believers have ever stepped into the kingdom to experience it. We carry it. But most of us don't experience it. That's because we don't understand grace. It's only accessible through grace. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I don't typically do this, but I'm going to this morning. I'm just going to read this story. Okay, It's found in Matthew chapter 20, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. It may be on the screen, it may not be on the screen, and I'm going to go pretty fast. Jesus... Uh, a rich young ruler has come to Jesus. And he basically in chapter 19, he said, Teacher, what do I have to do to, etern- to, uh, to obtain eternal life? And Jesus tells him some things. And, and he comes back at Jesus and he says, Well, yeah, I've done all those things. And Jesus basically says, Then sell all that you've got and follow me. And then there's a discussion after he leaves with the disciples. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. And then he, Jesus tells this story. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius, a denarius was the basic amount of pay that a day worker earned for 12 hours. Okay, It was was a common amount. Soldiers were paid a denarius per day. And so they agreed to work for a denarius a day. He sent them out into his vineyard. And when he went out about the third hour, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you too go into the vineyard. Whatever's right, I will give you. And so they went. And he went out again. Or again he went out. About the sixth hour and the ninth hour. And did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour he went out. And found others standing. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. 
And he said to them, You two go into the vineyard. And when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first group. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. They also received each one a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. And he answered and said to them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. But I wish to give this to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious? Literally. Okay? That's a, that's a nice clean translation. Literally what Jesus is saying is, what are you doing? Don't, are you trying to put the evil eye? Y'all know what the evil eye is, don't you? Y'all have all heard about that. Well, that's what this is. He says, he says are, are you trying to put the evil eye on me because I'm generous? Thus the last shall be first and the first last. Now, I just got to tell you, every time I read this story, it kind of cuts against the grain. Amen? Yeah, let's just be honest. You go to work. You work 12 hours and somebody comes in the last hour and they get paid the same as you, that kind of goes against the grain, doesn't it? Doesn't seem fair, does it? Come on, let's be honest here. If we can't be honest, it just doesn't seem fair. It makes me a little uneasy. And you know what? It made the disciples uneasy. They didn't understand it. And Jesus is really answering a question here that they ask back in, in chapter 19. In verse, uh, you're not going to see this on the screen, but in, in verse 26, Peter speaks for the group. Well, you are going to see, maybe you are going to see it on the screen. It's verse 27. Peter, Peter speaks for the whole group, and he, and he listened to the question, okay? It sounds noble, all right? They've just heard the rich young ruler. Jesus says, hey, go out and sell everything and come and follow me. And Jesus says to him, you know, it's, it's harder for a rich man or for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get in heaven. And that sets them to thinking. And so Peter, he kind of speaks for the group and he says, behold, look here, Lord. That's, that's what he's saying. Look here. We've left everything. Everything, God. We've, we've left everything and we followed you. What then will there be for us? Now we read that really quickly and it doesn't sound too bad. You read that slow, it really doesn't sound too good, does it? In other words, Lord, what's going to be in this for us? Bottom line, what's in this for us? We've been with you from the beginning. We were the first one. We recognized who you were. In essence, Peter said, Lord, I left a good profitable fishing business to follow you. I, I, I lived with my mother-in-law and she had a nice dry house and I sleep outside most of the time now. I had plenty to eat. I had, I had coins in my pocket. But you know what, Lord? I've left everything to follow. You know, we worked hard. And we've worked long hours. What's in it for us? You see... They were under the impression that the harder they worked 
And the longer that they worked, the more they would get. Things hadn't changed any, have they? That's pretty much the way we believe. They thought their kingdom slice of the pie was going to be a lot larger than everybody else. See, they had a religious mindset rather than a kingdom mindset. They understood religion, but they had no clue about grace. Here's Jesus' answer. Let me paint you a very clear picture. You guys don't get it. Let me paint you a picture of what grace looks like. See, they'd missed grace. For them, it was all about working. And so he begins to tell them a story. And he tells them a very common story. It was, they lived in an agricultural society. They raised uh, wheat. They raised barley. They raised grapes. They raised olives. Okay, those were the main crops. And he he tells the story of of a landowner. And this landowner represents God. Okay? And everybody else represents us. We're the day laborers, the workers. And so he tells them this story, and and they were so familiar with this concept, but they weren't prepared for the results of this story. So in this story, a landowner gets up, and he goes out to hire workers. Now, if you were a a craftsman, in other words, if if you had a craft that you worked in, if you were a carpenter, or a furniture maker, or, 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 or some of the, 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 the normal trades. You got up and went to your business every day. But a lot of the people were unskilled. And so what they would do is they would go out into the city, into the gate of the city, and then there they would wait. The same thing goes on today in, in different parts. I, and years ago when I was in the plumbing business, I could stop in Hoover at a certain place and get day laborers. They're still around today. They, they were willing to work. They just they didn't have a job. They didn't have a regular job. And so this man goes down to the place. He needs more laborers than he has. His, his, very likely his, uh, it was harvest time. And there's an optimum moment when you've got to harvest the grapes. You've got to get them in. They can't stay out on the, uh, the vines. If they do, they get hard. The birds get into them. They begin to, 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 uh, to burst and to do all the things. And so there's an optimum moment. And so he goes out to hire workers. He didn't wait for the workers to come to him. He went out to get the workers. He pursued them, folks. They did not pursue him. Now, mark that one down, okay? He pursued them. They didn't pursue him. He went out at sunrise. He went out at 6 a.m. You see, the, 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 their work day began at 6 a.m. And quitting time was 6 p.m. Okay? Things has changed a little bit, thank God. But it was, it was daylight to dark, basically. The 12-hour day was a normal day for the people that worked in the fields. And a normal wage for them was a denarius. And a denarius would be about 18 cents today. Now, that doesn't sound like much, but that was a huge amount then, okay? Got to take out all the years of inflation. So it was a common, it was, it, everybody knew what the wage was for a day. And, and what would happen is they would hire workers, and at the end of the day, they would pay their workers. They didn't wait to Friday to write them a check. They paid them in cash, and they paid them at the end of the day. And so he goes out at 6 a.m., and, and he hires the first group. He offers them a denarius. In other words, they make a deal on the spot. I will pay you a denarius for 12 hours worth of labor. Are you in? Big group said, we're in. 
That was the average. Couldn't do much better than that. He goes out again then. Scripture tells us he went out at the third hour, which was 9 a.m. He goes out again at the sixth hour, which is noon. And then he goes out again at 3 p.m. I mean, at the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. And he, he, he hires more workers. And then he goes out again, Scripture says, at the eleventh hour, which was 5 p.m. It's an hour to quitting time. And there's still some guys out there, and he hires them. Now, all the workers go into the field. They go to do the same job, whatever it was. I don't know if they were picking grapes. I, I assume they were picking grapes, okay? I don't think they were trimming vines because you just don't hire people that don't know what they're doing to, to prune your vines. I believe they were picking grapes. And so, everybody's been hired to sue the, do the same job. And that's where Jesus begins to paint some pictures about grace that sometimes we don't grasp. Sometimes we overlook. And so this morning, I just want to show you four simple things very quickly. I don't typically do threes and fours and twos and ones, but this morning I'm going to do that because I I think there are four here that that each of us need to to see. And each one of these pictures is a little bit scandalous, okay? It just doesn't seem right based on what we think is right, based on merit, Maybe that's a way to put it. The first one I want you to see is this. Grace is inclusive, not exclusive. Grace pursues us. We don't pursue grace. I'm going to say that again. Grace is inclusive. It's not exclusive. We don't pursue grace. Grace pursues us. The landowner went out to find the workers. They didn't come to find him. Not one of those men knocked on his door and said, Hey, can I work in your fields today? Now, it's the harvest season, okay? Everybody knows when grapes come in. But not one of those men went to his house and knocked on the door. He searched for them. And and Scripture says that day he continued to search for them. When they were hired wasn't the issue. The length of the time that they were to work or how much they were to get done was not the issue. He didn't exclude anybody. He took what was available. He he offered the job to everyone that was in the square that day. See, just because they weren't there at 6 a.m., they didn't miss the bus. Just because they weren't there at lunchtime. They didn't miss the bus. Now that just doesn't seem fair, does it? Y'all be honest. Now just imagine you're going to work in the hot sun all day gathering grapes. You've been out there for 11 hours and here comes a whole busload of bubbles and they're going to gather grapes too. And you're thinking in your head, I'm going to make more than they do. Just, I want y'all all to be on the same page. See, he didn't exclude anybody he included everybody the grace was poured out on everybody that worked in his field that day folks grace is not concerned about time of service grace is concerned about people we don't pursue grace grace catches us grace pursues us we don't hem grace up we don't grab it we don't wrestle it to the floor and get all we can Folks, it grabs us. In essence, it wrestles us to the floor. Most of us run from grace. 
And some of us have run most of our lives from the grace of the Lord Jesus. None of those workers, listen to me, none of those workers deserved to be hired. So I don't like that. Tough. The man who owned the vineyard didn't have to hire anybody there. There was no law that said he had to hire those men. He could have gone to another town and got a a truckload over there. But he didn't. He, He went to that place. He hired them, listen to me, because he wanted to. Folks, God extends grace because he wants to. Not because we deserve it. I'll say that again. God extends grace because he wants to. Not because we deserve it. Grace is inclusive, not exclusive. It includes, it doesn't shut out. We don't pursue it, it pursues us. That's the first picture. The second picture, if that one doesn't bother you, this one will. Okay? I want you to grasp this one. Grace is not about fairness. It's about God's favor. That just kind of like a chicken bone in your throat, okay? It just kind of sticks right here. It's not fair. Well, I want things to be fair. No, you don't. Okay? Grace is not fair. We all want fair. We want what we deserve. But folks, grace is not about getting what we deserve. Okay? If we got what we deserved, we'd all be in the smoking section of hell today. Okay, that's just, I'm I'm not trying to to make light, but I want you to realize it. All of us deserve eternal torment. I can't even say it. Torment. We all deserve hell. And until you grasp that fact and look at yourself in that mirror, you will never experience the benefits of grace. I deserve that. But God has given me this. Folks, when pay time rolled around at the vineyard and everyone got pay, they got their wage, which was a denarius. Now, some of them had only worked an hour. I'll bet they were shocked. Because there's no deal made about how much you're going to get paid. You want to work? Come on. I'll bet they were shocked. But they weren't nearly as shocked as the guys that went to work at 6 a.m. They were shocked. And in the back of their mind, you know what they said? If they get this much, imagine what we're going to get. See, that's the same thing Peter's saying. Lord, we've been with you from the first. What's in it for us? What's in it for us? They got up to the paymaster. He handed them a denarius. And you know what happens? They start to gripe. Start to grumble. They mumble. They begin to fuss. It's not fair. We've worked 12 long hours and we worked it in the hot sun. And they only worked one. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say today, grace is not about fair. It's not about what's fair. Okay? 
It has nothing to do with what we deserve. It has nothing to do with how hard we work or how long we've been there. It has nothing to do with where we were born, who we are, what church we attend, how much or how little we give. It has nothing to do with how good we think we are or how bad we think we are. Listen to me, grace is not fair. Now, just be real honest with you. That, that sticks right here, doesn't it? I've been a Christian for 40-something years. I got all kinds of attendance pins from Sunday school. We never missed it. Whenever the doors were open, we were there. You mean, I'm not going to get rewarded just a little bit more than that person that smells like smoke slid in the home plate there right at the last? I'm not going to have a bigger mansion. I'm not going into the mansion thing. But but let's just be honest. That kind of cuts against the grass. That don't seem fair. You know what? It's not. It's not. The disciples and the religious system that of their day believed that they would receive more because they were Jews. You see, they had forgotten that they were God's chosen people, not God's special people. And folks, I live in the church culture. I have lived in it. And I, there are lots of people in the church culture that, that, that have forgotten that God chose them because He chose them, not because they had something that they could offer Him. We've forgotten that we're the chosen people, not the special people. Okay? And you are special. Don't get me wrong. But not in what you've done. See, they believe that in the, the economy of the kingdom paid the same as the religious system that they were under. They, they thought they were on the merit system because they were God's favorites. They'd come to believe that instead of being God's chosen people, they were the special people. The special ones. And you know what? We retain that same belief. God, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Catholic. God, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. I'm a deacon, I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, I'm a soloist, a musician, a missionary. God, I give, I, I, I feed the poor, I do this, I do this, I do this. I, 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 I. If you'll look at grace, there are no eyes in grace. And the reason is, 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 is that it's not about us. Folks, it's not what you or I think is fair. It's about God's favor. And God has poured out that favor. He has chosen to pour out that favor based on who He is. Here's a little known fact that most of us would do well to write down in our Bibles. God is God. And because He is God, He's in charge. And He makes the rules. All of them. Folks, it's not about being fair. Grace is not about being fair. It's about God's favor. Grace is not about fairness. It's about the favor of God. It's inclusive. It's not exclusive. We don't pursue it. It pursues us. Now here's the third thing I want you to see. And it's similar to the second one, but it's a little different. Grace levels the playing field. See, the landowner chose every worker 
And he paid every worker the same. By the end of the day, they were all equal. No one got less, no one got more. Folks, in the kingdom of God, there are no degrees of favoritism. Grace torpedoes favoritism and preference and prejudice and discrimination and the good old boy system or the good old girl system that we've grown up in. See, grace torpedoes that. We're familiar with that, but that's not the economy of the kingdom. Just because you know somebody or you know something does not mean that you know God. See, the question is, does God know you? Throughout the history of God's dealing with people, there have always been those who thought they were God's gift. You know anybody like that? Now don't start nodding your heads. Okay. <laughs> there always have been those that thought they had it all together. And out of that system have come a lot of systems. Out of that belief has come a lot of systems, both in our, in our churches and in the world outside the church. And those systems exploit and they use people. And they push people down rather than lift people up. We're the religious elite. Folks, that's what was going on in Corinth. There was a handful of people there that thought they were the spiritual elite and everybody else was just run of the mill. It happens in churches today. It happens in most churches today. Folks, God does not have favorites. Okay? When you start to think you're one of God's favorites and you can do whatever you want to do, you are treading dangerous places. God let this slip. Me and God got something going on, you know. Not about fairness, folks. See, grace levels the playing field. It's not based on our place in society. It's not based on our level of education. It's not based on skin color. It's not based on whether you are male or female. I want you all to hear me here, okay? Just because you're a man does not mean you're closer to God. Because you're a lady, you're less than. Scripture does not teach that. Well, if sin came through the woman. Well, listen to me. Scripture says that the woman was deceived. That Adam was not deceived. And sin entered into this world, into this realm, through the man, Adam. Okay, so if you use that to push somebody down, that's just smoke, okay? I've heard people say, well, you know, God cursed this group of people uh, because of Cain. Folks, God didn't put colors on people as a curse. People are colored because at different hues and tones because they live in different parts of the world. You don't think so. Take a trip down to Africa. Spend a week or two in the bush and see if your skin don't peel off. Okay? Because your white pigment can't handle being that close to the equator. Okay, There's no curse on this group or that group that caused skin color. All of that came out of, of this system that we're a little bit better. 
than everybody else. Folks, at the foot of the cross, it's level. Scripture says there are no slaves, there are no free, there are no slaves. There's no Gentile, no Jew, no male, no female. The playing field's level when it comes to grace. Every person stands at the same place before God. Listen to me now. Don't let anyone, not your mother, not your father, not a family member, not some teacher, not some loud mouth preacher, okay? Y'all say, Nelson, you shouldn't have said that. Okay, don't let somebody, anybody, don't let a brother, a sister, a boss tell you that you are less than, okay? Because that's not grace. All right, you say, Nelson, you're a little worked up. I am because this really... Folks, you know why this church exists today? For that reason right there. That's one of them. That's one of them. God has called us to be a refuge, a safe place, so that He could restore and build relationship. Not so that a handful could rise here and the rest could serve them. That's not church, folks. That's the world. That's the system out there. That's the marriage system. You are not less than. You are a son or a daughter of the king. The living God. You're not less than. He's chosen to pour out his grace on you. And to bring you in his kingdom. Now listen to me. That's part of it. But don't you turn around and look down your nose at somebody else. Okay? Except for grace, there we go. There we are. Folks, grace, real grace, true grace, levels the playing field. There are no haves and have-nots in grace. Because here's the reality of grace. If we didn't have it, we're all have-nots. We have nothing. None of us have anything of eternal value. That will stand up before God. Listen, there's no scale in heaven. That's Muslim theology. Okay? God's not going to go, okay, you get in. You don't get in. That's not how it works. It's grace, folks. It's grace. Grace levels the scale, it makes the have nots have. That's the third thing. Grace levels the playing field. Grace is not about fairness. It's about God's favor. Grace, grace is inclusive. It's not exclusive. It pursues us. We don't pursue it. And here's the fourth one, and I'm done. Grace is all about God. Okay? In our story, those who work the longest begin to complain. and They begin to whine. Now listen to this. Listen to the the answer that the the landowner gives them when they said, Hey, we worked all day. We sweated for 12 long hours. You paid them the same as you paid us. That's a little arrogant, isn't it? Well, no. It's a little arrogant. Listen to the the answer the, the landowner gives. He says, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree to work with me for a denarius? Take what is yours 
and go your way. But I wish to give to this last man the same as I've given to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious? Do you have an evil eye? That's what he's saying. Because I'm generous. Thus the last shall be first and the first shall be last. The landowner did exactly what he promised, didn't he? If you read the story, it says in the first few verses that they agreed to work for a denarius. They got what they agreed on. They were promised that and they got it. Yet they thought somehow that they should have some sort of say in the matter of of what the others were paid. And, And that's really arrogance. Folks, here's the bottom line. I said this earlier. The landowner did not have to hire anybody. Let's translate that into our situation. How many of you realize and understand God did not have to do anything when Adam and Eve disobeyed and He would still be a loving God and a merciful God and a a grace-filled God? That kind of sticks right here, doesn't it? Yeah, but, 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 but what? He's still holy. If he'd done nothing, if he'd said, I'm sorry, Adam, you disobeyed me. You have to pay the price. Folks, that would have been Adam getting justice, what he deserved. How many of you want what you deserve? I don't. I want mercy. And that's what God did. He, he offered mercy instead of justice. He, he, he exacted justice. He didn't wink his eye at it. The landowner didn't have to hire anybody at the gate that day. They were all unemployed. Okay, He didn't have to give them a job. Like I said, this story's not about the workers. It's about the landowner. And he can hire who he wants. It's his money, right? It's his vineyard, right? He's invested all the money. He's put all the sweat equity into it. It's his, right? Y'all gotten quiet on me. None of us did anything to help with creation, did we? God doesn't owe any of us anything, right? None of us are going to stand in heaven with unpaid bill, right? No. They were just standing in the gate without a job, hands in their pocket, hoping somebody would come by. Folks, God does not owe any of us anything. He's not indebted to us. Folks, we're the ones who stand with nothing apart from Jesus Christ. Nothing. We have nothing to offer. That doesn't go over well. That sticks in our throat. We think we do. But really, folks, we have nothing to offer God that He needs. Okay? He's God. He has no needs. There's nothing we can do that He can't do for Himself. Is there anything anybody in here can do for God that He can't do for Himself? If there is, please, please share it with me. There's nothing. And yet God loved us enough to pour out grace to do for us. If, if we could do something for God, then Jesus Christ would not have had to come. Okay? He would not have had to die on a cross. 
You say, well, he had to do that so we could be saved. Listen, if, if we could do something for God after we get saved, to keep ourselves saved, Jesus would not have had to come and die on a cross. That death on the cross paid for our salvation. It keeps our salvation. Okay? If we got what we deserved, it would be called justice. Not mercy. Folks, justice is all about us getting what we deserve. It's the merit system. Whatever you sow, you reap. That's, That's justice. Not one penny more, not one penny less. That's justice. But folks, grace is about God being able to do what He wants to do because He loves us. That's what grace is. It's the unmerited favor. The love of God poured out on us. Folks, grace is when we deserve nothing, we get everything. And when you get something and you deserve nothing, whatever they put in your hand is priceless. Let me just tell you something. If you were starving to death this morning, A piece of moldy light bread would be priceless, wouldn't it? If you were dying of thirst, a glass of muddy water would be priceless, wouldn't it? So we forgot about stuff like that. If you're headed for hell, and God says, Hey, I'm going to pour out grace on you. I'm going to let my son pay your price. Would you grab hold of that? Folks, that's grace. That's grace. When it's all said and done, none of us really want what we deserve. Because none of us can stand up to the light that God would shine on us. None of us want to be put on the, on the, uh, the, the place in the courtroom. None of us could stand that light. None of us want the penalty of His justice. No, what we want is mercy. And folks, that's what grace is. It's mercy. Grace is not exclusive. It doesn't shut people out, folks. It brings people in. It pursues. How many of you realize if God had not pursued you, you would not be where you are today? So we didn't find God. He found us. He pursued us. Folks, it's not about fairness. It's not about fairness. But if I've got to choose between what's fair and the favor of God, you do whatever you want. I'll throw myself on God's favor. Because it's a lot better than what's fair. I don't deserve anything. And God's poured His favor out on me. There's a level playing field, okay? There's no one greater. There's no one less. I love how Jesus ends this story. Thus, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. There are going to be a lot of people that I've probably met in my lifetime when I get to heaven who I probably won't see. And you know why? Because they're so close to God and I'm so far away. Does that make sense? I didn't think they really knew God very well. I judged what they did in some negative ways, but that wasn't God's system. 
I hope to be able to see God from where I'm at, okay? But I may not be able to see them. There's going to be some people there that will surprise you. You know why? Grace. None of us will be there except for grace. That's it. So when it's all said and done, folks, none of us want what we deserve. We want mercy. We want to be embraced by grace. Folks, that's the scandal of grace. It's not the system of merit. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Father. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.